Shalom. I want to send out blessings and greetings to everyone who is listening. And I want to start by saying that um, Captain Israel gave an incredible drosh on Parsha Tatriya Medzora. And still trying to recover from that. Uh, as well as through the grapevine. <laughs> I heard um, that there has been lots of rebuttal, uh, to say the least, from the whole idea of uh, doing works for eternal life and salvation and all that kind of stuff. Well, with that being said, I would definitely like to step into the room to hopefully bring some clarity and to bring some more shalom. Um, it's kind of, uh, disheartening to know that, uh, such truth could be taken and twisted so quickly and so terribly. So, uh, as Shomer Man, the guardian here, I would like to bring some, some sources to the table. So the first thing uh, I would like to start with is this, this whole um dispute or this whole um twisting of a message um particularly uh based off of Luke 18:18 18, 18, when Mashiach Yeshua is called rabbi which means he's a pharisee and it says what should i do to obtain eternal life now the thing about eternal life is it has nothing really to do with salvation per se as being included within it because we know that salvation is being saved from death is being taken out of sin and things like that so eternal life is what ensues after that like look at it this way because the type and the pattern of salvation and eternal life comes from Shemot, comes from the Torah, comes from understanding delivering from Egypt and making it to the mountain and then receiving eternal life. So the eternal life happened when the children of Israel said, Naseh Nishma, because the sages say at that point, um, the spirit of death or the angel of death had no more dominion over the children of Israel. Furthermore, it's alluded to the fact that, or it even says in the Midrash, that had it not been for the golden calf, the children of Israel would have at that moment received the Torah and went into the Alam Habah upon entering the, the um, boundaries of Israel. So like entering into the land. So, um, so yeah, so there's, uh, quite a bit of information right there, but, um, uh, I'm not trying to say that eternal life and salvation are two totally different things. Actually, they're connected, but I'm just saying that one needs to understand, you know, what the whole picture is, as opposed to start isolating it. Because really, when you look at what happens when commentary on, well, eternal life is doing the mitzvot, you know, and then it's like, well, then what's the death of Mashiach for? 
you know, it's just kind of like you've kind of went past go, you skipped a few steps, and not only that, but you've also just destroyed the whole tapestry because you've focused on a thread, you know, as opposed to the whole picture. And that's the other beautiful thing that Captain Yisrael covered in the drosh as well, is that you can't just have one part of this this emunah, this bitachon with Hashem. You can't just say, well, I'll take the Mashiach part and I'll forget the mitzvot, or I'll take the Torah part and forget the the renewal of the Torah part, the inner dimension, the secrets of the Torah. I will take the oral Torah and not the written Torah, because when you do that, you don't get anything at all. And I love the classic example of the parent providing dinner and saying, all right, here's dinner. Let's eat, you know, say the brock and everything. And then you go, I don't want that. And it's like, oh, you don't want that? Well, then you don't get any of it. You chose a fast day. So we don't want that with Hashem. I mean, because even us as uh, mere mortals, if we do that as an example, then how much more would Hashem? And why don't I just go ahead and skip to a point that I was going to say way later, and I'll say it now. This is from Yaakov, um, commonly known as James, chapter 2, 21 through 24. Take it all the way back to Abraham. That's always my thing. Everything leads back to Abraham. This is, I'm going to swerve real quick, because when people ask you about, you know, are you a true Jew and things like that? Well, take it back to Abraham. When it comes to Abraham, what is a true Jew? Because all Jews descend from Abraham. So first of all, you need to start with that before we get into any other details. But then when you look at what a true Jew is, it's one who leaves his home of idolatry, his foundation. He receives a new name. He becomes a servant of Hashem and a keeper of his mitzvot. So, you know, if that wasn't enough, Yeshayahu even tells us to look to Abraham, our father, and to Sarah, our mother. You know, so we are Jews. You know, if we follow Hashem, we are anyway. But that's not what this drush is about. But just wanted to bring that up because Yaakov seems to take it there to Abraham's. And, you know, he's kind of like the leader of the community during this time and also the brother of Mashiach. So, you know, there's that. But in Yaakov 2, 21 through 24, Abraham, our ancestor, was made right, considered righteous, justified by what he did when he offered his son, Yitzhak, on the altar. That's the Akeda. So it was because he did something and he believed something, namely Hashem. And it all uh, centers, centers around um, keeping the mitzvot and the sacrifice of a one and only begotten son. If you think that's crazy, I mean, just read Bereshit 22 and you'll see that Yitzhak really is the only son. The Or HaKaim brings down in uh, Chaye Sarah that, you know, talking about the inheritance that Yitzhak would receive from Abraham. And it says that Yitzhak would even receive Yishmael as a slave because Yishmael wasn't a son of Abraham technically he was considered a slave that's why he's the son of the slave woman so yeah get you some of that 
So I'll continue, Yaakov, he says, so see, so you see that Abraham's faith and the things he did, which are his works, worked together. His faith was made complete by what he did. This shows the full meaning and fulfills the scripture that says Abraham believed God and God accepted Abraham's emunah. And the Emunah made him right with Hashem. Literally, it was credited and counted it to him as righteousness. See Bereshit 15.6. And Abraham was called God's friend. So you see that people are made right with God and justified by what they do, all their works, not only by faith. So that's the, the cool thing that... Um, I always want to make sure people understand is that it's it's more than just one thing you know I would definitely was a part of the in Mashiach alone I hope is found but it's just like well what what does that actually mean because if it's just Mashiach if it's not Hashem it's not his Torah that's a problem and speaking of friend of God I found this interesting on Shabbat I was looking at Yochanan 15 and Mashiach says, you are my friends, talking to his followers. But there's a comma. It says, if you do what I command. To which my thought was, well, if this were truly followed, then the Buddy JC movement wouldn't even exist. Because what did Mashiach command? And if you understand that Mashiach is Echad with Hashem, his commands would be no different because that by default would make him not Echad with Hashem, make him Achar, uh, which is another. And we know that he's not another, but that's not a part of his drush as well. So lots of swerves already. So I'm going to get to this first thing. The death of Mashiach is crucial uh, for atonement it's crucial for fixing the problem fixing the error fixing the blemish so what is the blemish well if you go all the way back to when the blemish started namely in the garden Hashem said not to eat from this tree which is a kashrut commandment which is a commandment which is a mitzvah so Hashem gave a Torah mitzvah from the start Now that's important because you see that the um, the eternal life that Adam and Hava could have received was predicated off of, or was um, it worked in tangent in tandem with the fact that they would not eat from the tree that Hashem told them not to, which means they would believe in Hashem and they would also be obedient to his commandment so there's that but then you look at the fact that they did eat from the tree and then they were uh, kept from having eternal life because they disobeyed so disobedience equals not eternal life so obedience would logically equal eternal life but then so what's up with the death so the thing is, is that in order for us to receive eternal life now, in order for us to get that opportunity back, we first have to deal with death. So that's what Mashiach ben Yosef was all about. 
So we'll talk more about Mashiach ben Yosef in a second, but I want to start with what Captain Israel drops about the Mashiach and the crucialness of the virgin birth that he had, because there can be no Mashiach if he's not outside of fallen man. So if you're born by a man and a woman coming together, you're not outside of the fallen man condition. So Mashiach has to be outside of that. So here we go. Because I've said the analogy before, the captain of the Titanic couldn't save the passengers on the ship. Why? Because he was on the Titanic. If you are born into humanity, you cannot save humanity. Why? Because you're human. You're, you're bound by the same curse we're all bound by. So therefore, how can you lift me up if you're in the same boat that I am? It is possible for me, well, it's too late now, but it is. it would have been possible for me to live a sinless life. I suppose you could say it's possible to sin. Uh, you know what? Let me, let me retract what I just said. It's too late now. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> let, me, let me retract that. Honey, can you give me some coffee or something? No. If you went to Yom Kippur, the day after Yom Kippur, you're 100% pure. 100%, or as my friend Avi would say, 100%. 100%, brother. From that point forward, it is possible for you or I to live a sinless life. It is possible. Not likely, but possible. But here's the problem. It won't matter because Ooh. we'll all die. Snap. Just because it doesn't matter doesn't mean we shouldn't strive for it because we're commissioned by God to strive for it. But I'm trying to paint a picture for you that no matter how sinless we are, we're still bound by the same curse. And so if Mashiach is born by human means, he's still bound by the same curse and therefore is not able to overcome it. You say, well, you should, the, Rabbi, don't you understand? Judaism does not believe in, in, in the original sin. That is not true. And I've debunked that a million times. That is so easy to debunk, it's not even funny. And we'll debunk it on this recording, too. <laughs> Judaism absolutely believes in original sin. We're about to prove it right now, but, I mean, there's like a thousand million sources on that. A thousand million is a number. <laughs> Midrash Rabbi 14.5. Another interpretation, when a woman conceives and gives birth to a male, thus it is written, Behold, in iniquity was I fashioned, and in sin did my mother conceive me. All right, Baruch Hashem. So, Mashiach is important because he is outside of our fallen condition. And through his sacrifice, he can, he can bring in the element that no other sacrifice could because all the other sacrifices are contained inside of our sinful condition. So if you just think about all of that alone, so if you think about the fact of accepting his death and then doing what Hashem said, you now are back in the garden. And that's the whole point of Mashiach. How do I know that's the whole point of Mashiach? Well, let me go to Benny B real quick. Benny B 
in Akhare Mot commentary says this. The need for the mission of Mashiach ben Yosef came about as a result of the sin of Adam. In theory, had Adam not sinned and brought about tremendous spiritual damage to himself and to the world, there would not have been a need for the tikkun olam efforts of Mashiach ben Yosef. In every subsequent generation, Mashiach ben Yosef thus comes to rectify that spiritual damage and return mankind to the state of Adam before the sin. He cites that from Yonah the Navi as Mashiach ben Yosef by Daniel Krinsman, page 10. So it's all about becoming or returning, so to speak, or really returning to where we fell from, you know, and the thing about Teshuvah because that's what Teshuvah is, returning to uh, a, a place of not sin, basically. And um, when you make Teshuvah, you're considered to go on to a higher level than you were previously. Because you've made a descent, now you can make a higher ascent. So you're kind of going at this level, but since you dip down and you come back up, you think about the EKG and look at the little lifeline and it's like making the peaks and the and the valleys and things like that so that's inv that's very important to know because i mean it's just crazy to think well if i just hear with my own ears that what must i do to have eternal life and the words of mashiach are what do the mitzvot say why in my heart does that make the words come out? Well, then what's Mashiach's death for? I thought he was the all-atoning sacrifice. Like, that's kind of like, you know, jumping tracks with a train. It's just like, wait, 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 where are we going now? Like, this is a whole new thing we're talking about. So, the death of Mashiach is a tacoon. It is a repair. It is a fix. Something got broken. It needed to be fixed. So that's important. So now I want to. Um, I kind of feel like that's it, you know, but you know me, I'm Shummer, man. I just have to keep blowing stuff up. So um, Sages, where am I at now? I'm going to go to G Shekel. So G Shekel is a um, believer in Mashiach Yeshua. And Bezrat Hashem, he's Torah observant, um, and he is over in India, and um, I call him G Shekel, but his name is Gadai, and he has a ministry called Bet Yisrael, and um, I love his commentaries on the parasha, he does a lot of Zohar things, and so uh, I always like to read them just to kind of see, you know, where his mindset is, and what he has to say he drops a lot of really cool sources and uh other than that you know just kind of glean what we can right so cool thing about this is he's commenting on parasha achare mot and kedoshim because this week is another double torah portion so he says this sages traditionally viewed mashiach ben yosef and mashiach ben david which by the way mashiach ben david is the one who comes to lead Israel into the millennial kingdom. 
So it's important to know even when you're thinking about Mashiach, there's like this twofold thing going on. So anyone who says, well, I don't believe in Mashiach because he didn't build a temple or he didn't bring in Shalom and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's just like, well, that's Ben David. What about Ben Yosef, the one who has to come and take up on our sufferings and make the uh, tikkun for us? You know, someone who's born outside of our condition that can save us from the sinking ship. Got to have that part. So again, if you only have Ben David, but you don't have Ben Yosef, what Mashiach is that? Because that means you've um, denied the sacrifices. And we saw what happened to someone who did that. But because of Teshuva, he was brought back in and Baruch Hashem. So may we all make Teshuva because that's the only way Mashiach is coming. Baruch Hashem. Well, he's going to come in his time, but Teshuva, again, is a part of that. Because, I mean, how are you really going to know who Mashiach is if you're not making Teshuva? If you're just out there living in your sin and doing whatever you want to do, and if you're not focused on the kingdom, when the kingdom comes, it's a thief in the night because you're not ready, and there's things that have to be done in order for you to enter in through the gates anyway because you have to know what tribe you're in, and you also have to have your robes cleaned. You know, you have to look at Revelation 22. It talks about all these things. But anyway, so this is Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David, two different roles. But the text of the Brit Hadashah teach that the same individual fulfills both roles. Or more precisely, the resurrected Mashiach ben Yosef returns as Mashiach ben David. And that's, I mean, that's epic. I mean, wow. And that's another thing, too, because you think about how Hashem is Echad. So Mashiach, who is like Hashem, you know, Mikael, uh, basically, who is like Hashem. That's what Mikael means, who is like God. So Mashiach is like the image of the invisible. So if Hashem himself is infinite and has unlimited manifestations then you can look at Mashiach as a finite with uh, inf infinite within him you know and it's like that's kind of weird but then you think about how well, I was just reading commentary on this a couple of Torah portions ago that, saying, that was saying the Torah itself is infinite but it was expressed in a finite form and when it's expressed in a finite form, the, the infiniteness is revealed. So again, with Hashem, who expresses himself through Mashiach, making himself finite, but still remaining infinite, that's one thing. But then Mashiach being infinite because he is the, the word of Hashem, which is infinite because it's Hashem. Now you have him expressed in a finite form revealing his infiniteness because not only did he suffer but he was also the reigning king david so i know that's kind of a lot so um but we'll keep moving here um and torah classic which is this work called direct hashem by the rom call which by the way because i didn't know this before uh, it is Rabbi Moshe Chaim Luzato. If you ever hear that name, that's the rum call. 
and put on your uh, put on your sports gear because he will mess you up with his writings. Just like this one. He says the idea of a single Zodic atoning for his entire generation is found in Kabbalistic literature. Yeah. So why am I stopping? I know that's just crazy. It's in Kabbalistic literature. So the Brit Hadashah is not the only place that teaches that there is one Zadik who is going to atone for his entire generation. Notice the word atone. It's not the word of, you know, um, I'm trying to think of what it's not the word of, um, replacement or whatever for keeping the mitzvot it's all about atoning for the generation making the correction making the repair making the rebuilding up making the new again because Hashem's Torah has always been so the thing is is with Mashiach's atoning sacrifice with his own death and his resurrection he gave us the opportunity to do that which we forsook in the first place so, um, it keeps on going. It says, i.e. suffering pain and or suffering and pain may be imposed on a Zodic as an atonement for his entire generation. Through his suffering, this Zodic saves these people in this world and also greatly benefits them in the world to come. That's Derech Hashem by the Rum Call. So enough of that. Um, let's see here. So G. Shekel in his Tatsriya Medzora commentary says the first Adam brought forth the seed of death. Uh, and the last Adam brought forth the seed of life. So yeah, that's one of his headings. Interesting there. But I love the fact that if you just think about everything logically, if you're believing in the Mashiach, you're believing in Hashem. You know, this is the secret of the verse that says, and the children of Israel believed in Hashem and in his servant Moshe. Because Moshe says, one is coming after me and you have to be obedient to him. And we saw a uh, allusion to that when... Yehoshua was appointed and he actually brought them into the land. Moshe died in the process and then Yehoshua continued on like Mashiach ben Yosef dies and then Mashiach ben David continues on. Um, I got a throne of David here drop. Let's see. The reason I bring that up is because um, basically the foundation of Mashiach ben David is Mashiach ben Yosef. Because the throne that Mashiach ben David sits on is actually Mashiach ben Yosef. So I want to make sure that I share that with you. I'm going to do Messiah text here. Page 165. Make sure I quote this exactly right for you here. 
It'd be nice if I went to 165 instead of 113. 165. Okay. In another Midrash fragment, the two messiahs are compared. In the future to come, the anointed of war will arise from Yosef. And the Messiah who will arise from Yehuda, i.e. Mashiach ben David, will be stronger than he. Mashiach ben Yosef is also called Mashiach ben Ephraim, referring to his ancestor Ephraim, the son of Yosef. Again, ben Yosef. So if you say Messiah ben Ephraim, you're saying Messiah ben Yosef. So it says, is imagined as the first commander of the army of Israel in the Messianic Wars. He will achieve many victories, but his fate is to die at the hands of Armelius in a great battle in which Israel is defeated by Gog and Magog. His corpse is left in the streets of Jerusalem for 40 days. Swerve, I would like to add that is this why Mashiach taught throughout Yerushalayim for 40 days in his resurrected body to be like, look, I know I'm supposed to be slain, but check it out. I'm walking around. Look at this. Or listen to this, I should say, because he kept teaching Torah, which, by the way, if he didn't want us to do Torah, he would have taught us something new at that point. But again, that's neither here nor there because I didn't talk about the throne verse. I may have my sources backwards here. Let's see. Um, I'm going to look at what the rabbis know about Messiah. Uh, the Messiah text was basically about... Um, Mashiach ben Yosef and his mission to die and things like that. So that's important. But the one about him being on the throne. I know I just read that. I give you a proper source on that. Um, page 65. What do we got on page 65? These two competing functions of Mashiach are recognized in the Talmudic and other Jewish sources. One explained, one explanation invoked to resolve this dilemma was that there would be two Mashiachs, one who would suffer and be humbled, and one who would rule and be exalted. The suffering Messiah was referred to as Messiah ben Yosef. Nice. All right. This will continue recording. Um... 
looking up sources here. Hang on. It's like that one thing where you take notes and like, um, you think you know where you put everything, but you don't remember. <laughs> so, throne of David. go the Arizal okay so that's the source the Arizal explained that the throne of David refers to the Mashiach bin Yosef who is the throne or base of power for Mashiach bin David Sha'ar Hakavanot 37a the Ben Ishkai so yeah so that's important so in order for Mashiach bin David to have the um the power and the presence that he has it's based off of Mashiach bin Yosef as the source the foundation and we know that the right the Zadik is the foundation of the world and so there you go so Mashiach is obviously the Zadik and he himself is his own throne so that's kind of interesting because we know that the throne from uh, Bereshit one two where the ruach hovered over the waters we know that the ruach which is the word which is a shem hovered over the waters and it also says in the ramban and also in rashi it alludes to the throne of glory the throne of a shem so the throne is actually the word and so you think about mashiach sitting on the throne he's sitting on himself or you know like i was basically thinking of how Mashiach would pray to Hashem and it's like Hashem talking to himself kind of like with the Torah when he wanted to create man Hashem was talking to himself that's why he says let us make man in our own image so anyway um, that's that um, so it's just kind of weird I, I, I like lined up all these notes to, to drop on making sure we understand the death of Mashiach and Torah observance, like how does that even go together? But um, we kind of covered that. So our faith in Hashem by believing in Mashiach goes with us observing the Torah because that's what faith is. What faith that works is dead. And what's our faith in? Also, uh, let me just throw this out there. Devarim 30, 15 through 16 Look, today, I offer you life and success, death and destruction. I command you today to love Adonai your God, to do what he wants you to do, to walk in his ways and in his paths and keep his commands, his rules, his statutes, his ordinances, his requirements, his laws. Then you will live and grow in number, and Adonai your God will bless you in the land you are entering to take as your own possession followed by you know i said before you life and death choose life so um if you look at the parallels there the life and the success versus the death and the destruction that's the life which is the the uh choosing the mitzvot and then the death which is being disobedient which is the destruction 
So make sure you know which hand you're taking from there. Um, the other thing about Mashiach having to die, uh, Sanhedrin 97a, this whole discussion on uh, the tabernacle of David that has fallen from Amos 9.11. It says that is why the Messiah is called Barnafli. Because he's the son of the fallen one. He, he is the tabernacle of David that was fallen. So there's that. That teaches Mashiach must die. The other thing, Benny B. Akare Mot, again, uh, the article is titled Secret of the Scarlet Thread. The concept of mitatan shel zadakim mekaparet, which is the death of the righteous, atones, is, a, is an important principle of the Torah. This idea is specifically cited with regard to Miriam, Aharon, and the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. I can do Messiah text for this, because this is a good, this is definitely good. Okay. They're on uh, page 113, quoting the uh, Pesikta Rabbah 162a. It says, In that hour, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to him, Ephraim, my true Messiah, you have already accepted this suffering from the six days of creation. Now your suffering shall be like my suffering. For ever since the day on which the wicked Nebuchadnezzar came up and destroyed my temple and burnt my sanctuary, and I exiled my children among the nations of the world, by your life and the life of your head, I have not sat on my throne. And if you do not believe, see the dew that is upon my head. And that hour he says before him, Master of the world, now my mind is at rest, for it is sufficient for the servant to be like his master. I.e., so since Mashiach ben Yosef is going to suffer and, and sacrifice himself for the people of Israel, Hashem has already done that when he destroyed his temple. And there's lots of... Um, literature on that from Parashat Taruma and uh, the whole section of Ketisa and things like that that talk about the tabernacle being means of atonement for Israel, looking at the pillars and things like that that surrounded it. The original sin, uh, we know that the original sin is eating from the tree. We know that it's the golden calf. We obviously know that it's crucifying Mashiach because he would be subjected for our disobedience. So by us being disobedient, originally, we subjected Mashiach to the suffering that he needed to have or the suffering that he willingly took. And again, we already talked about that earlier. Had not Adam and Hava been disobedient, then Mashiach and Yosef's mission would not have happened. But... Another case of original sin is in the cell of Yosef. Even the Yom Kippur Magzor talks about it. The Magzor is the prayer book for um, the festivals. And there's one specifically for Yom Kippur. And it goes into this whole thing about the ten martyrs. So check this out about the ten martyrs. It says, What happens in Bereshit has prophetic ripples into Jewish history. 
what event is foreshadowed by the brothers selling Yosef to the Gentiles? Because, you know, Mashiach ben Yeshua has been sold to the Gentiles. So that's a problem. It says it's important to note that all humanity is guilty before Shem. So even though the brothers sold him, it was really all humanity because Yisrael is supposed to be a light to the nation. So whatever Yisrael is doing, the nation should be looking to for an example. So if the nations by some chance happen to look at Yisrael, they see, oh, yeah, sell Yosef, subject him to the crucifixion stake. This is why it's important to know that it's not the Jews who killed Mashiach. It is all of us. It is humanity that killed Mashiach. Because all of us can be traced back to one, namely Noach, but even before that, Adam. And Adam and Chava brought forth death into the world. And Mashiach Yeshua and his renewed bride will bring life to the world. So that's why it's also important for us to keep the mitzvot, <laughs> because they bring life. Again, Devarim 30. So, the sale of Yosef uh, has this whole thing that plays out in the Ten Martyrs, because uh, Yosef was sold for shoes, and um, there's a whole drop on that. Why don't I go ahead and read that? being so elusive here cell of Yosef okay so it says Rav Ari Khan it seems difficult to argue that the brothers were not guilty of this act of perfidy Jewish tradition refers to the cell of Yosef as a stain on the collective conscience of the entire nation which, by the way, the cell of Yosef is alluded to in the Ayin that is in the name of Asaph, which is currently not a part of the name Yeshua. And that's why J-E-S-U-S -S is his name today, most commonly, because it's deficient of the Ayin that was sold, because that's a stain on the Jewish people for selling Yosef. Anyway, um, it says a stain that much of Jewish practice and Jewish history is geared towards cleansing. Okay, really? So, Jewish practice and Jewish history is geared towards cleansing that. So then, the cleansing is not complete, obviously, but uh, this right here is, is beautiful to reread and to say out loud because you can look at how us as followers of Mashiach who are keeping the Torah who are um, basically grafted in we're removing that stain and it's interesting that by being grafted in through Mashiach into Yisrael becoming Yisrael basically because what's grafted in becomes uh, nourished by the root of that which is grafted into and takes upon the original law of that which, would, which it is connected to i.e. if you take a branch from a tree that's two but it grafts into a branch that's a tree that's four then the two-year-old branch now becomes four years and we can see this even in the parable of the wages for the workers the day laborers that Mashiach talks about how 
he sets the wage, brings in people at the first part of the day. Later in the day, other people come in. At the end of the day, when the wages are due, they all receive the same wage. And the people who started earlier like, uh, homeboy just got here a couple of hours ago. This is my elucidation, by the way. But it's a true uh, parable from Mashiach. And so Mashiach is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is it not the the one who hired the workers? It's called the parable of the hired workers, by the way. Is it not the one who hired the workers that set the wages? And did you not agree to that? So, take that and apply it to this. We, just now showing up on the scene to Judaism, we got all this history that we're now like gleaning and, and uh, getting placed upon us and getting connected to. So, Baruch Hashem on that. But anyway, so... We're cleansing that stain of the cell of Yosef, which is such a blemish. It says the Rambam notes that a goat is always brought as a sin offering on holidays and ties this offering directly with the goat's blood with which Yosef's coat of many colors was stained by the brothers. The goat is a symbol of the treachery which continues to haunt the collective, a blot on the integrity and unity of the entire nation. On holidays, when we gather as a family, we bring the sin offering with the blood of the goat in order to attempt to bring about healing for the sale of Yosef. And it was like uh, one source I came across was talking about like, don't look at it as like feet or something like that but it was like uh oh was it before i get all whacked out here so t i'm i'm excited right now this is crazy uh what the rabbis know about messiah page eight this was like so ninja gotta share it i don't know if it really connects to this or not but I'm just thinking about the healing. This is what it says. I took page eight out of here. Nope, not page eight. Oh yeah, I did not plan to share this, so that's why. It's page 12, and it says, um, The seed of the woman would deal a fatal blow to the head of the serpent, and the seed of the woman would in turn sustain a bruise to the heel, a non-fatal blow. The Aramaic paraphrase of the Hebrew scriptures, Targum Yonatan, uh-oh, everybody duck and cover, relates this prophecy to the messiah to the messiah okay so the whole thing about the seed and the bruising of the hill bare sheet you know the whole thing with the fallout of adam or hava and the serpent which by the way is the secret of parasha tatsria and medzora because the woman shall conceive we're talking about the woman here having the seed in the future this woman will have a seed but anyway Targum Yonatan says, but they will be healed in the footsteps, which is the heels 
of the days of King Messiah. Here the word shuf, which is healed, is not translated as bruised, but rather in the sense of rubbing with medicine and thus as a healing. So, they will be healed in the footsteps of Mashiach Yeshua in the days of King Messiah. This Targum is commonly referred to as the Targum of Yonatan ben Uziel. So yeah, so that whole verse, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Here's the phrase. He will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Bereshit 315. They said basically read that as rubbing with medicine. So we're healed with the footsteps and the heels of the days of the Messiah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think about. So don't read the word shuf. Shuf should mean healed, but it's translated as bruised. So the Targum is pointing that out. And then he's saying, as well as don't even read it as bruised or read it as healed, but read it as rubbing with medicine. That's just, oh my goodness. That's what the rabbis know about Messiah. But anyway, so back to Rab Ari Khan here. He says that... The martyrdom of Judaism's ten greatest scholars, retold in the Yom Kippur liturgy, which is the ten martyrs, by the way, in the in the uh, Yom Kippur Magzor, that whole section, it's in the Musaf of the uh, the service, and it says that um, this is said to be a tikkun for the sale of Yosef. It seems an inescapable conclusion that Jewish theology considers the brothers guilty of the sale and senses the repercussions of that episode throughout our history. And it says, this is from Rab Khan, Me'ore Ha'esh, for a pair of shoes. There's this whole thing about shoes that are connected with the sale of Yosef, and that's where the Halitza Leverite um, ceremony comes from. So that's interesting because it's all about like, you know, you spit in the shoe and all this kind of stuff, throw it across the room if you don't want to perpetuate your brother's name and have children in his name. And it's like, well, that be- that's because the brothers got rid of Yosef. They wanted to blot his name out kind of thing. So anyway. What else? It's been a long recording, so I appreciate those who are still with me. So uh, I'll finish with the garden, because remember, the whole thing of Mashiach's death and us being observant in Torah, following Mashiach into the Alam Haba, is to bring us back to the garden. And if you look at the Torah itself, there are 53 Torah portions. When one reads all 53 Torah portions... They return to the garden. When we end the Torah, where do we go? Bear sheet. Look at creation again in the garden. 
Well, 53 is the gematria of Gan, which is garden. So if you make it to the end of the Torah, which we know Romans 10 points out that Mashiach is the end of the Torah. So Mashiach is the Gan. Mashiach is the Torah. And by the way, it doesn't mean like the end of the Torah, like no more, we're done. Because if you understand Jewish thought, the end is really the beginning. That's why we read on what I now and what <laughs> Captain Israel and his Talmudim now call Yosef Day, which is Shemini Atzeret. It's specifically uh, done like you read the very last part of the Torah and then you roll all the way back to the beginning and read the first chapter. And so it's like the end and the beginning are connected, like it's an Aleph and Tav or something. But anyway, so you get back to the garden, and that's where we're going. And that's the whole point. So now I finish with Pearl K, which is Pirke de Rebbe Eliezer, chapter 12, page 36. Adam Harishon in the garden. It says, so, let me just go ahead and read this paragraph. He then brought him into his palace. As it says, God took Adam and placed him in the garden and gone Eden to work and to watch it. Bereshit 2.15 So now the gone Eden is the palace of Hashem. That's crazy. What work was to be done in this garden? Did the vineyard need pruning? Did the land need plowing and furrowing? Did the crop need harvesting? Or the sheaves need binding? Why, the trees and the crops grew by themselves. And this is the thing. This is all before the fall. Creation was not cursed. Man was not cursed. Everything is beautiful. Slika. That's where Mashiach is bringing us back to. That's why we have to walk in the way, the truth, and the life. And it says, perhaps one might say that Gan Eden had to be watered. And what was the work? However, a river flowed out of Eden, as it says, a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. Bereshit 210. These are the soaker hoses. He didn't need to water the garden. He didn't need to trim it, plow it, do any of that. So what does it mean to work and to watch it? I mean, because Bereshit 2.15 just seems so encrypted at this point. So it says, Adam worked it by engrossing himself in the study of Torah and guarding the path of the tree of life, which are the mitzvot of the Torah. It is. The Torah is a tree of life for those who grasp it. Mishle 3.18 That's the way. That's the truth. That's the life. We are to guard it. We're to walk in it. We're to keep it. That's the tree we want to eat from. And we want to make sure that we're following Mashiach and that we're keeping full Muna in him. Understanding truly this faith that we have received. Just like Abraham, we believe and we do. Nase Venishma. I mean that that's the thing, and that's what made us Hashem's 
children. That's what made him the God of Israel. That's what made the Israel for him to be the God of is the Nase Benishma. So if anyone ever asks you again, then, you know, um, if you're doing the mitzvah to have eternal life, then what's the purpose of Mashiach's death? You can politely point them to this drosh, or you can just say, look at Abraham. Or you can just say, read James chapter 2. Or you can just say, get some help or see Ezekiel immediately. But either way, it must be known that Hashem is a chad. You can't separate him out. You can't take the Mashiach away from the mitzvot because that would be taking Mashiach away from himself. And that doesn't work. So. May you be blessed by this recording and uh, Bezrat Hashem, everything came out clear and concise. And as the Rebbe of Lapid always says, what do we know? What do we know? This is Shomer Man, Shalom and Shavuotov.